welcome to episode number 147 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B-Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, got a few things to cover. Violence in Chicago is still a thing. The COVID virus and vaccine, Netflix versus YouTube, and probably a few random off-ramps. Who knows? That is the beauty of the Random Thoughts podcast, but I want to first start off by saying a happy 40th anniversary to my in-laws. Now, I talked one of the last shows about my parents having an anniversary. I didn't realize my parents were number 60. This would be my wife's parents, and then she told me after, well, this was their 40th anniversary. I'm like, what? She's like, well, it was the other day. I'm like, maybe that would have been important information to have. So uh, a very happy 40th anniversary to Steve and Sherry. Hopefully, uh, it was a good one. And this just shows you my wife tells me nothing, which is probably the better way to go. The less information I have, the better. The less damage I can do, the less I know. I get it. But here in Chicago, violence is still a thing. And like anything else, there are multiple sides to a story. Well, There's at least multiple people giving multiple sides to a story that seems to be fairly straightforward. Violence on the rise. We've already eclipsed numbers this year that are making it look like it's going to be another record year. Not the kind of thing you like. I believe on Monday was at least 10 people shot. We normally do the weekend report. On Mondays, when we go into our Grumpy Old Ben's podcast that we do with Ryan Bemrose, and the Chicago violence problem is usually pointed out at that time because the weekends get a little bit crazy here. And the question is on a lot of people's minds why is this happening? What is causing violence to rise? Why is it happening? On Monday of this week, the superintendent of the Chicago Police Department blamed the rising crime, blamed the violence going on in the Windy City on the court system. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown blasted the legal system, according to Breitbart, at a press conference saying, quote, what we can do differently is challenge the courts to render Chicago safe, holding offenders in jail longer, not releasing murderers back into our community. That's what we can do different. He then added that his department has helped charge 90 different people with murder, but that the court system turns around and dumps them right back into the streets. Now, this is something we've been talking about for a while due to some ultra liberal people being in charge, including Kim Fox in Cook County here in Illinois, a state's attorney that got elected after taking a lot of money from the George Soros Foundation and others. And the concept is, you know, you're the victim. We don't want to put people in jail. We want to send social workers. When there's a crime, we don't want to charge people. 
We don't want to put them in jail, which is why shoplifting is raging. We've talked about that as well. Another case in San Francisco, which is very much like Chicago now, that the other day, a group of women went in, they filled up big bags and just ran out of the store. The employees at the store, according to people on the scene, just shrugged. It's become commonplace. Nothing they can do about it. And we don't want to talk about it because the people that are committing the crimes might have the wrong skin color. So that's a very important thing. But here we have in Chicago, a police superintendent who luckily for him is black because he can then turn around and point at the judicial system and say, you know what? The people that are working for me in the police department, we're doing our job. We're going after the criminals. We're arresting them. But then what happens to them is they get turned around and put right back on the street to commit more crime. And I don't think anybody listening to this podcast doesn't understand that if you allow crime to run rampant and there is no repercussion for that, then crime's going to go up. People will do things. They can get away with it. We often use the example of a little kid. The more a little kid can get away with, the more they're going to do things. The way the behavior just keeps going and going and going. And that's what we're seeing in Chicago, in San Francisco, with the shoplifting. It's also what we're seeing with violent crimes and murders. The Chicago Tribune is reporting that here in the beautiful city of Chicago have already surpassed 2020 shooting victims. And I had to go look to uh, confirm this because I'm like, wait, do they mean we're just over where we were in 2020? So I went to one of my favorite websites to track this kind of stuff, which is heyjackass.com. And no, it turns out in Chicago so far year to date, 2,064 people shot and wounded, 428 people shot and killed for a total shot in the city of Chicago for the year 2021. We're at 2,492 people and a total of 453 homicides. So I don't think this is a question of whether or not there is a problem. I don't think it's a question of if crime is running rampant, if violence is running rampant, it is. The question is, what is the cause of that? The police superintendent, who I think is the ultimate voice you can get as far as a boots on the ground report, is pointing to the courts. Now, the courts have a different opinion completely. According to uh, Breitbart, who looks like they're quoting an article from the Daily Mail, which, of course, we've talked about this, the roundabouts when you have one news source going to another, quoting another, saying they got this from here. But according to this article, the Chief Justice Timothy Evans, so he's the Chief Justice in the Chicago court system, claims that the number of releases that the top cop was referring to were chiefly first-time offenders, and the state, county, and city 
all have very generous policies when it comes to the first timers. They're quite lenient. So, I mean, I guess everybody gets one free murder. I don't know what it is, but then, you know, they release you back on bail. You still have to go through a trial, but there's a much more likely chance that you're going to be back on the street. If this was the first murder you committed, go commit another one while we worry about when your case is going to get to court. But quoting Chief Justice Timothy Evans, he says, speculation based on isolated cases is not the same as reality based on a complete picture. He points to a 2020 study by Loyola University that found that an increase of pretrial releases of suspects was not associated with any significant change in new criminal activity, violent or otherwise. So we have the top cop saying that they're releasing too many people back out on the streets and the judge saying, well, no, that's not really true. Where the truth of the matter lies, I don't know. But there's no question that the violence problem exists. There's no question that there's a murder problem in the city of Chicago. But it's very much, to me, watching this, very much like what's going on with the COVID-19 virus. You have two sides that vehemently believe that they're right. And the anti-COVID vaccine folks, they're sure it's a conspiracy that all the governments around the world are pulling. It's all to get you jabbed with something that's bad for you. And there's no question that big pharma is always bad. I mean, I've even encountered people who don't believe the virus is real. And I've also encountered people that don't believe any viruses are real. And that also that all vaccinations are bad ideas. I mean, this is a legitimate response from somebody I ran into out there in the wild that believed all viruses aren't a thing. That's all a scam. There's no such thing as a virus. And all vaccines are a bad idea, including the ones for polio, smallpox, flu shots, all down the line. All vaccines are bad. And there's no such thing as a virus. Now, that's taking it to a whole new level. And when you encounter something like that, I hope you just back away and go, you know, hey, uh, you you do you. You live in whatever world you want to live in. But I find it interesting that the people that are so convinced that the vaccine thing is a conspiracy theory that they're not even a little bit able to consider that it could be the other way around. I'm not saying it is, but it could be the other way around. You have to be able to imagine if you can believe that this is a worldwide global conspiracy put together by multiple countries who all hate each other, are all agreeing at this one particular point just to do what? I don't know. But then you're not willing to believe that there might be a certain group of people out there who would want to intentionally do whatever they could in the form of spreading misinformation or whatever 
to get people not to take the vaccine. And I'm not saying that's what's going on, but do you think that isn't something that's possibly going on? What data do you have? Where do you get your data? How do you know what the reality of the situation is? A lot of people, when they're talking about the vaccine, want to point to the VAERS database. But the, un- the thing you have to understand about the VAERS database is that nothing in the VAERS database has been confirmed yet. It's where people go to report things. Can doctors, hospitals in that report things? Sure. But anybody can actually report something to the VAERS database. The purpose of the database is to gather the information, investigate that information, and decide whether or not what has been sent in to that database is one, accurate or not accurate, and then two, whether or not it was caused by the vaccine that people got just prior to submitting this information to the VAERS database, because vaccines overall Through the history of vaccines, if you were going to have an adverse reaction, it usually happened in a very small amount of time. Usually we're talking hours to days to weeks, not usually months or longer as far as having a side effect from any of the vaccines that humankind has known up until this point. Now, we're using different technology here. For a couple of the vaccines, maybe more than two. Now, I know the Pfizer and Moderna are mRNA. Not sure which of the other vaccines are using that as opposed to the type of vaccines that the Johnson & Johnson shot are and the AstraZeneca and all that. But overall, vaccines, if you're going to have a side effect, you're going to get it within a couple of weeks, usually to maybe, you know, a month or two outside of the vaccine. But you have to understand the reality of the world for you to understand the data that's being put in. So somebody says, well, yeah, I got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and then a week later had a heart attack. Well, that's an interesting thing to look at, but you can't necessarily put those two things together. Now, if a million people have the same thing happen to them, you're starting to show a little bit more of the cause and effect relationship. But I mean, let's just imagine for a minute that you replace the COVID vaccine with anything else that you can consume. Maybe it's a can of beer. Maybe it's a shot of whiskey. If you're looking to have a party, could be a nice strip of bacon, hickory smoke. I would recommend it can be whatever you want. Anything that you can consume and then follow what happens after as maybe being a side effect of what you just consumed. And then no matter what, after you have that whiskey or bacon or beer, you report anything that happens to you over the next two to four weeks. And we put that into a database like the VAERS database. Well, what's going to happen to the people that consume these things? doesn't matter whether it was the bacon, the whiskey, the beer, whatever you had. Maybe it was a bottle of water from the most pure spring available on the planet earth you know the most virgin water coming off the highest mountain in the most remote location after you consume any of these things 
report what happens to you and see where that goes. I guarantee it doesn't matter what you had. Could be the bacon, could be the water. Some people are going to have heart attacks. Some people are going to have strokes. Some people are going to be diagnosed with cancer. Now, the question is, is this at a higher rate than would have happened without the vaccines? And that's something nobody's talking about on the conspiracy theory side that the vaccines are all bad. They don't want to admit that people get cancer, people have heart attacks, people have strokes. And it has nothing to do with what you just consumed necessarily. It has more to do with the human condition, which is people get sick and people die. Back in August of last year, we talked about it here on the podcast quite a bit. But at the start of August, we all thought everybody in my family thought my mom was really healthy. She had just hit 80 years old or so, had never been in the hospital for anything major, had never had any heart issues, had never had any health issues really to speak of whatsoever. By the end of August, we knew that she had a couple of blocked arteries and needed open heart surgery and also had colon cancer. Now, I go back to the timing of this and wonder what would have happened in all of our heads, in our family, if she would have got the vaccine and then it was a week or two later, like, oh, no, all of a sudden she needs double bypass. She's never had any heart issues, we may have exclaimed. You know, oh, she's got cancer. Are you crazy? She's been healthy as a horse. This all has to be caused by the vaccine. But no, it, this, there was no vaccine in this case. But I can see if the timing was a little bit different and this all happened right after she got a vaccine. I mean, I get how people go and jump to those conclusions. But the reality is you need to do a lot more science to determine the cause of things. And we know our perception might have been a little skewed had she gotten the vaccine and then, God forbid, didn't go into the hospital to find out she had these issues and could have just had a heart attack and died, in which case I would have understood the concept of she got the vaccine and never had heart issues and then she died because nobody wants to admit that without the vaccine, people who were otherwise healthy for their whole life, in my mom's case, 80 years, who then need double bypass or who've been healthy their whole life for 80 plus years and then are diagnosed with cancer. So these databases, the various database, it's an interesting thing to look at. It's an interesting point of reference. But the people with, oh, well, they got this type of blood clot. And in the case of the Johnson & Johnson, it did seem there was a slightly elevated chance of getting that type of blood clotting issue. But people were also getting blood clots if they got the virus. So there's way more things you have to look at. You can't be totally one way or the other. Your perception has to take into account the reality of things. And I still can't believe there's any global conspiracy going on that all of these countries would agree with. Again, they all hate each other, more or less. I mean, okay, there are some that want the whole one world government thing to happen. But when everybody's agreeing on something, 
Um, I'm going to err on the side of there's probably more truth to it than not. People get sick and people die. It's been that way long before COVID. It will be that way long after COVID. Now, the mask mandates, that's a different story entirely because I don't believe the masks do anything to help people because that's not the way viruses are going to be stopped. They're not going to be stopped by a piece of cotton or a simple surgical mask. Just not going to stop it. So that is nothing more than a power grab. That is nothing more, even if you don't want to be that cynical to say it's a power grab, it's politicians feeling like, oh, my God, I got to do something. And that's the easiest thing for them to point to and be like, oh, we have our security blanket. This will make everybody safer. And no, no, it will not. It will not make everybody safer. The virus actually exists. Sorry for all the people who don't believe in viruses. And humankind will eventually get through this. The question will be what kind of adverse effects of all of the crazy things that have happened during this time, how this will affect the world moving forward on an economic scale, on a health scale, and just on a mental health scale. Because people, we live, we die. In the interim, hopefully we have a good time. We make a difference. We do things that are good for our families and the world. And that's all we can ask. But the reality is viruses are here to stay. And sadly, our conspiracy theories are probably here to stay as well. The more we have the ability to spread information around the world, the more misinformation there's going to be. That is just simply the way it works. Now, Netflix versus YouTube. I thought this was interesting because you don't normally put these two things into the same box. I mean, they're both places people go to watch videos, but their business models are completely different. We have Netflix, of course, it's a standalone company. They thrive on subscriptions. They make a lot of their own content and they license content all pretty much long form compared to what YouTube's doing. YouTube, of course, has a variety of all sorts of different stuff created by all sorts of different people. So the fact at this point, here we are in 2021, that YouTube and Netflix are neck and neck with earnings is an interesting thing, at least to me. Both companies, according to an article on therap.com, can expect to earn about $30 billion in revenue this year, which, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for getting eyeballs to watch videos. Now, Google with YouTube do this mainly from advertising. There are some models that you pay them, as I may have talked about here, because I just got a free trial. And I have to say, watching YouTube videos without the ads is probably worth the 10 or 12 bucks a month, whatever they're charging for that. But YouTube is growing and Netflix is kind of shrinking at this point. You know, they're both behemoths. 
no question about it. But YouTube, a vast majority of the stuff that they're putting out there are videos that people create who are just regular folks. I have a YouTube channel that I used to do a lot of reviews on, a lot less now. Our buddy Bandrew does some great reviews of microphones. Sometimes he falls off his chair, but that's a different story. Adam Reeder does the Professor of Rock series. There's the Modern Rogue with Brian Brushwood. There's a lot of content on YouTube that regular folks put out, and then they try to monetize in a variety of ways. YouTube will give people a percentage, or, you know, there's again, you push people towards a subscription model or something else. But YouTube is getting a lot of content created. People are doing it for free because they want the exposure. And YouTube is making a lot more money to do a lot less work, I think, than Netflix is doing. And uh, Netflix, I think, is uh, finding out that as your catalog of programs continue to dwindle, that people will jump off. For a while, Netflix was great. I still have a subscription to Hulu because there's still some stuff I enjoy watching there, which a lot of times it is just the, oh, we need something to watch before bed. And so we got an hour to kill. And maybe you'll put on an old rerun of Pawn Stars or something like that. So it depends on what the catalog that they have is. But to me, it was quite interesting to see that we are at that point where it appears that YouTube is going to become the largest grossing streaming service that's out there. And they're doing that on content that is pretty much done with little or no cost to them by people who just want to get their videos out there. It's an interesting platform. And uh, it'll be fun to see where this goes here on the Random Thoughts podcast. We do work on the value for value model, which means we do the shows. We put them out there. There's no paywall. We hope you get some value out of the show. If you do, you decide how much value that is. You put that into a number that means something to you and you go to Random Thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts dot com slash donate. You click the donate button to do a one time or monthly PayPal donation. Use one of the QR codes or wallet addresses to do a crypto donation, or you can use the snail mail address, set up something with your bank, auto bill pay, whatever you want to do. It all works out. It all gets to us. And we appreciate everybody who supports the show. We are a podcasting 2.0 compliant podcast, which means if you're taking part in that, and if you're not, go check out newpodcastapps.com and jump on board. But if you're listening with one of those right now, click that little boost button. Click that little boost button. Not a lot of people consuming this show in the podcasting 2.0 way. Grumpy Old Ben's the other show I do with Ryan Bember is doing way better. But if you're listening in one of those apps like the Breeze app or the Podfriend app, click the boost button right now to let us know you're alive. Let us know you're out there. But no matter what, any of these solutions is a great way to jump into the value for value concept. Let us know you like what you're getting here on the show. And if you want to reach out to us and let us know your thoughts, you can do so at Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com. Again, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. You can hit me up on No Agenda Social, the Fediverse, which would be at Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com. 
at Twitter at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you hate. Let us know whatever you want. We're willing to listen to whatever crazy ramblings you may have because you're listening to the crazy ramblings that I have. It is a perfect symbiotic relationship. With that said, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Random Thoughts podcast. I want to leave you with the words of Ken the Hawk Harrelson, legendary Chicago White Sox broadcaster who was finally inducted into baseball's Hall of Fame over the weekend, accepting the Ford Frick Award. He closed out his speech with these words. When you take a man's money, you take a man's money. But when you take a man's time, you take a part of his life. And he's absolutely right. And I want to thank everybody for spending your time with us, listening to us rant, listening to us ramble. We appreciate it. We know there's a lot of things you can be listening to, a lot of things that you can be doing with your time. We are honored that you're here with us on the Random Thoughts Podcast. And we hope you will join us again next Wednesday when we do another one of these crazy episodes. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 